Welcome to GBMA Education's Biosimilar podcast series. Throughout this series, we will look to explore the use of biosimilar medicines in Australia and facilitate experiential sharing from fellow healthcare professionals. In this, the third episode in a series of 12 podcasts, Professor Jeff Scher, haematologist, will provide insights into his experience with biosimilar medicines from a haematologist perspective. Welcome, Professor Scher, and thank you for participating in GBMA Education's Biosimilar podcast. Firstly, when did you first use a biosimilar medicine? My earliest involvement with biosimilars was about seven years ago, 2011, 2000, about 2011, um, when uh, the first biosimilar filgrastim became available. What were the initial concerns when you first decided to use a biosimilar medicine? There were a number of concerns about, uh, about the adoption of biosimilars. Uh, or a biosimilar filgrastim uh, in our hospital by, by the clinician group. So we had multiple meetings within uh, our own uh, craft group as well as with our uh, pharma- pharmacy committee, our drug and therapeutics committee, uh, and our pharma- pharma- ward pharmacists who were involved in uh, uh, dispensing uh, whatever we prescribed. And the concerns we had were around uh, the limited range of uh, indications in a registration trial compared to the indication list that we were using this drug for. So the primary indication for filgrastim, for example, is in the treatment of chemotherapy-induced neutropenia. That's pretty simple. But of course, we use it in bone marrow failure syndromes. We use it very much in a bone marrow transplant service uh, in the mobilisation of peripheral blood stem cells. So this is a, the most commonly used stem cell product for transplantation used globally, both in autologous transplants where patients are their own donors and more worryingly in um, in. Uh, allogeneic donation, this is either relatives or volunteer donors uh, who are providing stem cells for other people. So we had to be convinced that in fact this agent was going to be equally efficacious in that setting as well as uh, safe and safety was a particular concern for uh, normal volunteers, be they family members or otherwise. Are there any examples where indications are not recommended to be treated by the biosimilar medicine? The experience of uh, filgrastim with donors has been an evolutionary process. So it was uh, in the early 1990s that we first started using filgrastim in normal donors, the originator, and it took some time for the world to become comfortable with that and there were some studies suggesting that there might be some dangers to donors uh, of the use of the originator. Now, they they with subsequent experience and subsequent clinical trials were allayed and it's now the most commonly used way to get stem cells from donor donors for hemopoietic stem cell transplantation. The local um, monitor for volunteer unrelated donors is the Australian Bone Marrow Donor Registry which provides guidance to the collection centres on how to manage unrelated volunteer donors who's, where the safety is of primary concern. They're not being treated for their own good, they're being treated for the good of somebody else. So safety is a prime concern. And the originator product uh, has been demonstrated to be safe uh, over many years. And in fact, our local registry ha- has a guideline still that restricts uh, the use in unrelated donors to the originator product. However, in other countries, um, the originator product became unavailable 
to centres who uh, required the collection of stem cells. And so an experience was developed uh, in parts of Europe and elsewhere using biosimilars, um, which demonstrated efficacy in the same sort of way. So you could collect as many cells and apparent short-term safety. But there were still, still and remain still concerns about long-term safety in normal people. And uh, we continue to have a watching brief on this. So in a global sense, the organisation responsible for the welfare of donors is uh, the World Marrow Donor Association, of which I'm the current president. And uh, last year, we did an extensive review of the literature, available clinical trial information, and reviewed our own uh, adverse event reporting system. So all adverse events in stem cell donors globally are reported to a single point through the World Marrow Donor Association. And we could see no apparent difference between uh, biosimilars and alternative forms of, um, of this medication. So we, we published a paper in bone marrow transplantation at the end of 2018, which indicated that it was essentially reasonable if local regulations allowed it, uh, to use biosimilar filgrastim for the mobilisation of stem cells in normal volunteer donors. Um, we did make the point that it was very important to identify the particular brand so that when an adverse event was reported, it could be tracked back to a particular biosimilar. And this is quite different to the way most of us were taught to prescribe in medical school, which was to use a uh, what we then called a generic name um, but of course, all of the biosimilars have the same generic name, and in this in these cases, the trade name becomes important to identify. So that if there is an issue with one particular manufacturing process, we haven't seen one yet, but if there is one, it will be identified in this post-marketing surveillance setting. Can you comment on the clinical and preclinical evaluation of biosimilar medicines? We certainly learnt very early that biosimilar medicines, when they, when they are approved, have gone through a process of clinical and preclinical evaluation that's equal uh, in vigilance to that uh, the reference um, product went through. Perhaps not as much of the original phase and perhaps not broadly indicated for every indication that was ultimately approved. But uh, we're, we were quite satisfied when we first uh, accepted the use of biosimilars um, in our haematology practice that the drugs, the, the biosimilars, went through a process that was equivalent in rigour to the original. Have you noticed any differences in outcomes between the biosimilar and the reference product? In my experience, and I think in most of my colleagues, there has been no demonstrable difference in efficacy or safety between the biosimilars and the reference product. Uh, with Phil Grastom, but we require longer follow-up for safety concerns. So how broadly do you use biosimilar medicines? So patients uh, who are newly started on uh, Phil Grastom will usually begin on a biosimilar. There are some patients on chronic Phil Grastom treatment. There's a small population of patients, usually with one or another chronic neutropenic uh, condition, who have been on uh, the reference product for many years. Uh, we have not changed any of those patients deliberately, nor have we even discussed the need to change it with most of them, as far as I'm aware. But I would have no problem in changing such a patient to a biosimilar if that was a request by the organisation. What information do you give a patient switching to a biosimilar medicine? So switching a patient to a biosimilar is very similar to switching a patient 
with other medications to other brands or other formulations uh, that are similar. It, it's a frank and open discussion about the available data suggesting true bioequivalence. In other words, we don't expect to see any difference in effect or in side effects. Now, sometimes um, excipients and other parts of the manufacturing process can produce some reactions. So we always warn the patients that if there is a difference, they should let us know. Um, but for the most part, it's a fairly simple process and patients are, uh, are quite happy to do this if so advised. Do patients tend to have concerns about being switched to a biosimilar medicine? I know of no patient who has switched from the reference product Philgraston to a biosimilar, and there aren't many of them, uh, who has expressed any concern at all. Uh, they're very happy that we're achieving the results we want for them with their blood disorder or if they're a donor that we're collecting enough cells. So it's really outcome-based and uh, nobody that I know of has had a toxicity that's unexpected from a biosimilar filgrastum. So I think there's really no concern there from the patient population. How would you describe what a biosimilar medicine is to your patient? In describing a biosimilar to a patient, if one has to, uh, what, uh, I would describe it as an agent that is produced in a system that may be slightly different to the originator product, so a different type of cell or a different type of production process that results in a product that is biologically equivalent in terms of what it does. So it creates the same effect, and if there are side effects, should be similar side effects in the same sort of range. What experience do we have with biosimilar medicines? In Australia, we've had now progressive experience um, spreading through the country of biosimilars for the last uh, eight or nine years. And I think the, the experience is building up to the point where most of us are very comfortable with the use of these agents. Are there any differences in immunogenicity between a biosimilar and a biological medicine? The issue of immunogenicity with biological agents is always a concern, but has in most of the situations um, that I've been involved with not been of clinical relevance. So I think it's fair to say that while there may be minor differences in measured immunogenicity, uh, there has not been a situation where that has had an impact on efficacy or safety. Aren't we just being asked to prescribe a biosimilar medicine due to purely economic reasons? The growing use of biosimilars in haematology is certainly driven by economics uh, primarily, but that's by no means the whole story. We, we know that there is a period of exclusivity uh, with patent protection with uh, the originator products and the company that developed them deserved to be rewarded for producing a, a, a therapeutic that was useful to us. But the, the community requires continued investment in healthcare and uh, new products, uh, new treatments are becoming increasingly expensive. So the more resources we have available for those treatments, the more patients will ultimately benefit. So it's beyond primary economics that this vial of a drug is cheaper than, than its predecessor. Uh, it actually creates an environment where we're more likely to get access to newer, important treatments. Thank you, Professor Scher, for joining us. We appreciate your time. For those listening online, the next podcast in our series by GBMA Education will be with Professor John Zaltberg, who will share his thoughts about biosimilar medicines and their potential benefits. If you'd like to know more about biosimilar medicines in Australia, please visit the Biosimilar Hub at www.biosimilarhub.com.au.